This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, it is really good to be here. What an honor and a privilege to be your very first guest from out of town. Um, I've been praying for you and have you in my heart. I'm believing this weekend that you leave strengthened, that you leave encouraged, that whatever battle you're facing, that God gives you the tools and everything you need to do that well. And, you know, the, our retreat is called Miracles. And really, a miracle is just something that we can't do, right, that only God can do. And sometimes that feels like a really big word. But um, I believe God's going to do some things in your heart. God's going to give you vision and perspective for some things that some of you have been, we, you know, we as women, we're always working hard to get things done in our own strength, right? We're like, we can do this, but God wants to do some things in our life that we could never do ourselves. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, this is beautiful. Um, churches coming together, women coming together. I love that. There's power when we come together. So just so, I don't know if you're like me, but when someone comes to our church, I'm always like, who are you? And I don't even know if I like you. And I don't even know if I want to hear anything you have to say. I'm sure you guys don't think like that around here, but I'm just, you're going to like me. So just get that out of the way and then you'll receive a lot more. And um, I'll give you just a little history. Sometimes that helps because we women, like guys don't really care, but we women were like, who are you? And I don't know. We want to know, right? Do you want to know? Is that all right? Okay. So, um, I was born in a really small town. I'm not going to go back to childhood, but I really was born in a small farming community, and um, we pastor in the same church, the same city that we were born and raised in. And so my husband and I have been pastors, uh, lead pastors for 18 years, and um, in the ministry since I was 21. I met my husband at 19. We dated for two years, got married at 21. So ministry and church, I grew up there. Praise God, bless our church 21 years ago when you have a 21-year-old ministering and leading, right? All of you, you're so kind and gracious. So this is my family. Uh, we have three kids. Uh, so that's my husband, Bob. This is actually on our, in our house, our property that's going down the driveway to our neighbor's house. And uh, oh, wait, wait, go back just a second. I was just going to introduce people. Just, you want to know, right? You want to know how, because I mean, it's, I have the microphone and every mom likes to talk about kids. So and my, that's my oldest son, Thad. He's 19. And Mariah, my middle daughter right there, she turns 18 when I get home next week. So on my way home, I have to plan some great party because that's what good moms do, right? No? All right. How many of you have teenagers? I got you. We got this. All right. Don't give up. All right. And then my youngest, he turns 16 in June. So they're awesome. They're a lot of fun. We really do church together. Um, they are a big part of it. Here's kind of a shows them in their element. My oldest son just wrote his first song. It's on Spotify, iTunes. It's really fun. He's a worship leader, loves people, loves Jesus. This is my daughter. She's one of my best friends. It's so beautiful when your kids turn 18 and then you can be their friends, right? It's good. And then this is my youngest, Landon. This is him at our kids' conference this last summer. He is like the favorite in our kids church wing. A couple Sundays ago, I was out and I'm, you know, you're the pastor, so you feel like everybody should know you. And I'm meeting this little girl. I'm like, hi. And they're looking at me like, who are you? You know, didn't want to talk to me. And finally, I'm like, do you know Landon? And they're like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, I am Landon's mom. And we instantly friends. So anyway, that's Landon. I just, I'll introduce you. So anyway, we've been doing ministry for a long time. We really, really love uh, what we do. We're seeing God you know, we know some of you have been sowing in the same city for a long time, and sometimes you don't see a lot of results, but we're really in a season where God is, um, we're going to be a part of 
watching God do amazing things in people's lives. I want to share some of those stories this weekend just to build your faith. And um, I think our church is full of really broken people who are coming out of all kinds of addiction, all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of crazy. Um, but God is powerful and he is amazing. And uh, we get, I think, one of the most beautiful privileges, and that's to be a part of what he's doing in people's lives and to set an atmosphere in a place where people can encounter Jesus. So um, I brought a couple friends. Uh, Ray introduced them to you, but these are like covenant girls. Uh, Debbie and I have been friends forever. Uh, well, forever. Before, Really, my husband's uh, her husband and my husband went to college together. They were roommates together. So, um, And then my sister-in-law knew Debbie from church, and she was like, I think you guys would make a good couple. So kind of I'm responsible for bringing them together. That's kind of how I see it. So this is Debbie. She's awesome. She lives in Detroit. So we flew into Detroit and had her drive us eight hours up here. That's what kind of friend she is. You're what? Oh, okay. So you guys will connect. And then... Tina is um, one of my dear, wonderful covenant friends. I don't know how I would even get dressed without her because she's amazing. How many of you love organized friends? Right? They help keep me together. Okay. Well, just to start it off, here's a little bit about friend. I have a couple of friendship memes just to start us because we're going to be friends already. We told you that. So, okay. So friendship is so weird. You just like pick a human you met and you're like, yep, I like this one. And you just do stuff with them. So that's just my friendship encouragement for you this morning. It might be the lady next to you. You're like, yeah, I like you. So we'll be friends. That's kind of what happened. And they're stuck with me forever. And then I am a really good friend to them. I'm such a good friend that I leave my house a mess when friends visit. So they go home feeling better about their own housekeeping skills. I'm just that good of a friend. How many of you are good friends like me? Mm -hmm. Okay. True confessions. How many of you? No, I won't. No, I won't. We're like this. We're like, oh, it's such a mess. And I just worked six hours before you got here to make sure it didn't look like that. Okay, great. Um, I can't remember what else I have. You can just, just we're just going to have a little fun. Oh, this was me packing. Um, going on a trip. Need about four outfits. I packed 35 just to be safe. How many overpackers in the room? How many of you, you need to, you have to feel it when you get dressed, right? Right. So you can't like, so when I met Tina, the first time we traveled, she literally had one outfit per day. Exactly. And I was first, I was convicted because I had like 10 suitcases and then I converted her today. Debbie actually said to her before me, man, you have a lot of shoes. And I'm going, yes, because it didn't make me look so bad. So anyway, that's that. I don't know what else I have in here. Oh, mom. Okay. So you're making, I always wanted to be a mom. Right. And then they came. And you have this picture of like, it's what you're going to be like. And then anyway, you're making it difficult for you to parent. I always imagined I would be. How many parents of toddlers, elementary age children, you got them? Did you get them ready this morning? Got them, no. Did you leave them in bed? Yes. God bless whoever's taking care of them. They'll be alive when you get home. I promise. Okay. Awesome. This is me parenting. I love the parents teaching their toddlers Japanese while I'm over here trying to get mine to stop licking the refrigerator. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't remember. Do I have anything else? Is that it? Oh, oh, this is awesome. So those of you who said you're parenting teenagers, how many of you know when you face new seasons as a mom, you're like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do. Like you kind of get one season down. You're like, I'm killing this, you know, season. And then you, things change daily. This is a fun book just on parenting teenagers. So if you want that, free, free suggestion. 
All right. Awesome. Are you guys ready to get into the word? And we're friends. We're good. We're open. All right. Um, I, I get the privilege of talking about kingdom. Uh, the topic that Ray gave us this morning is about being kingdom carriers. And, you know, the kingdom. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Oh, shh. You did not see that. Erase that from your memory. Um, sorry. <laughs> How many slides did we give you? Like 110. She has to be led, but pray for her. I don't. Just wait, and I'm going to get just a minute. Oh, you're doing great. Okay, so kingdom carriers. I'm thinking, what does the kingdom mean? Kingdom is rule in the reign of Jesus, right? It's where Jesus has his lordship in our life. And carriers means to bring his kingdom, right, to earth. And I was thinking, isn't that really what women are? Aren't we carriers of, of the culture of heaven? We have this, be- you can take a picture, go ahead. <laughs> Make sure it's my good side. I don't know. Is this my good side? It's probably, this is probably my good side right here. <laughs> Should I? Pop? Okay. We have this privilege as women that God gave us to carry into birth things, right? We carry babies in our womb and we birth, thing, birth them into life, which I don't know why God chose to allow us that beautiful privilege, but what a privilege that he's given us. And I thought really in the, in the spiritual realm and in the kingdom, we have been given the same privilege, and that is to carry the heart of God and to carry who he is to the people around us. And I just want to, I mean, what more beautiful thing? I think women, we have this powerful ability to set the atmosphere in our home, to set the atmosphere in our relationships, to set the atmosphere with our children, to set an atmosphere in our church. And, and I want to encourage you. I know there was a season in my life where I was like, God, I, I want to, I don't want to just feel an atmosphere. Because how many of you know, when we walk in somewhere, we're like, ooh, it is depressing in here, or it's kind of cold in here, or it's kind of judgmental in here, or it's kind of you know, whatever, we can come in and we're like, man, I can feel an atmosphere, right? And we were women, we're intuitive, we know that kind of stuff. But there came something that got on the inside of me, and I believe this is some of what Ray's talking, I believe is going to get inside of you um, this weekend, is I was like, I don't want to just feel an atmosphere. I want to be a thermostat. I want to be someone who sets an atmosphere. But when I walk in and it's depressing and dark or judgmental, that the very presence of God in my life, the very kingdom kingdom culture that's on the inside of me just starts out on everybody else. You know, oh, you were depressed, but when you started sitting by me, all of a sudden you're like, I don't know why I'm not depressed anymore, but I'm feeling full of joy. I believe that's what God has called us to as women. I believe we carry, we have this beautiful privilege to carry the kingdom of God in our spirit, in who we are. So it's so important, I think, to even ask ourselves, what does the atmosphere around me feel like? You know, how many of you know if it's depressing at work and it's depressing at home and it's miserable and angry with your children and it's miserable and angry and every time you have coffee with your friend, there's one common denominator, right? And I don't think we, and, it, and that's not, it's not a bad thing to assess our life, but we assess it, why? So we can change, right? If we don't see it, then we can't change and we can't bring heaven to earth. So I believe God's going to do a little bit of that in us. So now I want to read to you a story that I read a little while ago, and um, I think this just epitomizes who we are as women. And so now you can put that elephant cute picture up there. I saw this picture, and I read this story. I want to read this to you this morning, and I really believe this is a picture of what God has called us as women to look like, all right? And let's see if I can do this without my glasses. How many of you are having to start using readers? How many of you are over that stage? You've been there forever. 
How many of you are not really admitting you need them yet, but you kind of do? I'm still there, and that's why you have to say it out loud so you're not. Okay, so in the wild, um, when a mama elephant is giving birth, all the other female elephants in the herd back around her in formation. They close ranks so that the delivering mama cannot even be seen in the middle. They stomp and they kick up dirt and soil to throw attackers off the scent. They surround the mama and the incoming baby in protection, sending a clear signal to predators that if they want to attack their friend while she's vulnerable, they'll have to get through 40 tons of female aggression first. (laughs) Somebody say amen. (laughs) All right, I won't say. I was going to tell you my weight, but I'm not going to. We're maybe not that close of friends, maybe tonight. The first time I said it out loud, it was so liberating. Okay. A hundred and, I don't know, what do I, what do I, 150, 150 some pounds of female aggression right here, like, right? All right, it's fine. To get to my friends, you're going to have to get through that, right? All right, when the baby elephant is delivered, the sister elephants do two things. They kick sand or dirt over the newborn to protect its fragile skin from the sun. And then they all start trumpeting a female celebration of new life, of sisterhood, of something being born into a harsh world where despite enemies and attackers and predators and odds, scientists tell us this. They normally take on this formation in only two cases, under attack by predators like lions or during the birth of a new elephant. This is what we do, girls. When our sisters are vulnerable, when they're giving birth to new life, new ideas, new ministries, new spaces, when they're under attack, when they need their people to surround them so they can create, deliver, heal, and recover, we just get into formation, right? We close ranks and we literally have each other's backs. When delivery finally comes, when new life makes its entrance, when healing finally begins, and when the night has passed and our sister is ready to rise back up. We sound our trumpets because we saw it through together. We celebrate and we cheer and we give thanks. I believe this is what we're made for, to birth things together, to rejoice and to herald in what God is doing in each other's lives, to birth things together, to protect each other. How many of you know God wants us to throw some dirt in a different way, right? The, the culture of the world, we throw dirt on each other, but it's not in protection. It's not in covering, right? I believe that God is raising up the church and women in the church to model what it looks like to walk in a covenant that is created by heaven, what it looks like for the Father and the Son and the Spirit to, to be in formation in unity. I believe that's the kind of unity, the kind of covenant that God has called us as women to walk in. And how many of you know that's different than the culture that we live in. It's different than the culture that we go to work in. It's different than the friends that we have outside of church. I believe the the world is hungry for carriers of the kingdom to bring kingdom culture into our workplaces, to to have a friend who's loyal, to have a friend who's not going to bite you in the back, to have a friend who's with you, who has your back. So I want to talk, I want to read a scripture, and I want to talk about four of these four points that I think God has called us to um, ways he's called us to impart the kingdom into each other. Our Bible says in Romans that the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay, let's say that together. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk 
about those this morning. The first thing I believe, where's my scripture? I'm I'm all messed up. Oh, it's because, no, I'm not. I'm not messed up. I'm so on. Okay, here we go. There it is. All right, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. Dear brothers, but we're just not going to talk about that because we don't have any brothers in here. Dear sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, and live in harmony and peace. How many of you think that sounds like the kingdom? Joy, peace, righteousness, growth, encourage, right? Encouragement. All right, so we're going to talk about those four things. The first thing we're going to talk about is the first command on there. It says, be joyful. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 12, this, that we shall go out with and be led forth with, right? How are the mountains in our life going to break down if we go out in joy and we're led forth in peace? The mountains in our life will break down and shatter before you. I believe some of you this morning are going to get a fight back in you for the joy of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I believe, so I don't know, I've been, I was studying this whole idea of joy because I think it's something that we as women, we kind of think joy is something you're either born with, oh, we look at other people and we're like, oh, they're happy, right? You guys don't think that ever. I'm just not, I didn't get the happy gene, they got the happy gene. Or we look at other people and we see them laughing and rejoicing and we think, well, that's just not us. That's just not who we are. It's just not our personality. But as I began to read and re-look at scripture, joy was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't like, well, if you're feeling good or you're having a good day, then you should be rejoicing in that. But rejoicing is not a feeling, but it's a choice. And it's something that God commands us to get a hold of. And, and so if God commands it, then I got to figure out. And if it is my strength... I, as a woman of God, have to say, I got to figure out how to walk in this. How many of you can say amen this morning to that? And you know, I think what happens, life is heavy, right? I mean, we carry a lot of burdens. We carry a lot of weight. And if you're like me, you just get going through life and you're going through the motions. And then I'm like, when was the last time I laughed? When was the last time I gut belly laughed? And if you're like me, it was like, oh, it took forever to, to think of a time or you know, we're carrying, and this is, again, we're carriers of the kingdom, but we also carry other people's burdens. And as a pastor, I remember going through a season where, man, you're walking people through some of the hardest things that you can imagine. And my heart was so heavy. And I remember just waking up day after day and just surviving, you know? And I remember thinking, I don't, I remember laughing. And it was kind of like, how many of you know the difference? Like, you're like, huh, huh. But it was so far from here. You know, my mouth was laughing, my face looked like it was laughing, but joy was so far from my life. And I remember waking up in the morning just feeling just a pit in my stomach. Like, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't even want to face the day. I don't even know how I'm going to face what's happening. But there became a fight on the inside of me that like, this is a command that God gave us. This is a gift. When you read even in the book of Acts where it says, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I always have read that part, but it actually says they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So it's something that we can be filled with. I believe we are filled with it. Sometimes we just got to take the rocks off the top and let that river of joy flow out of our lives. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk just a little bit about how that journey, how we journey, how do we do that? Like maybe you're like me this morning. You're like, yeah, I know I need that. I can't remember the last time I laughed. And I think God had to put a fight in me 
to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose joy. I'm gonna find joy. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn on happy music. I'm gonna dance. I'm gonna declare. I'm gonna grab a hold of heaven until it starts coming up on the inside of me. The Bible says there's a river of living water that lives on the inside of me. And so I gotta uncap all the discouragement, all the depression. I have to look at my thoughts. What am I thinking about? How many of you know our thoughts are really what determine the atmosphere around us? So it's like if I'm always depressed, then it means that my thoughts are not heaven's thoughts. And so I had to really align myself with with kingdom thoughts. And you know, this sounds kind of silly, but I think sometimes I had to plan and schedule joy. It's a thing. Because everything else in my planning book is planned. And if, I, if I'm not careful, I get just driving through life. I'm driving my family. I'm driving my husband. I'm driving our church. We're building the kingdom of God. Gosh darn it. Here, you know, like, let's go. You know, the demons to fight. We gotta, you know, and then we're all like, I don't even like church. You know, I don't even like this. But it's like, I want to create an atmosphere. You know what? The world is hungry for joy. It's one of my favorite things about our church. One of the best compliments I ever received was we were at a restaurant. This was years ago. We were at a restaurant and someone just in our community goes, ha ha, you guys are from Life Church. That's the name of our church. And they're like, how'd you know? Well, because I can tell because you keep laughing and the way you interact with each other. And so some people might say, well, that's just a happy church. But what I'm telling you is it's a choice to bring joy into our life. I believe there are people in your life that are hungry for Jesus, but they don't know it yet because they're not experiencing the kingdom of God through you. It's like, why do I want what you guys have? You act angry all the time. And Matt, no, you don't do that. But maybe there's other Christians you know that act angry or depressed or they're just frustrated all the time. I believe God wants to put joy in the church that the world is like, man, I think if ever there's a time in the culture that most people are just walking in depression, there's like an oppressive spirit. The church has to say, hey, there's joy in the kingdom. Let me tell you about my journey to find it. So I'm believing there's going to get a fight on the inside of you this weekend that's like, I haven't seen my joy. Some of you are like, I haven't seen joy for 20 years. My mom didn't have joy. My grandma didn't have joy. Some of you are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. You're going to laugh like you've never laughed before. I believe some of you are going to belly laugh this weekend. And you're like, is that the funnest thing ever? Like when you can't, well, sometimes it's embarrassing. <laughs> How many of you have got the giggles at inappropriate times? I'm, you said I have a lot of time. I'll tell you, you want to tell me my most embarrassing time to get the giggles? This is a side note. We're at this family funeral. My mom and I are in the back row. And uh, I know, sorry, very sad. Funerals are sad. So this is my Aunt Ruth's husband, right? Uncle Ivo, right? And so we're talking about Uncle Ivo. And I'm like tearing up about Uncle Ivo. And then in my mind, I'm trying to picture his face. And I realized that every family gathering, Aunt Ruth was there. I never, I couldn't picture Uncle Ivo in my mind. And I hear him crying. And I realized, I don't think I've ever met him. <laughs> but we go to Uncle Ivo's funeral because that's what families do, right? So I turned to my mom in the middle of the funeral. I'm like, through tears. Mom, have I ever met Uncle Ivo? <laughs> and that was it. We were in the back row. The giggles. Not recommended at a funeral, right? So anyway, I, one of the things that in my life I mentioned is we schedule joy and we schedule silliness because it's like, I got to do something fun and break out of the routine. You know, if you're like me, it's like we do the same thing every night. We come home from school, you know, whatever. And so it's like, I'm going to schedule fun things. And so I'm kind of known as the party mom, the fun mom. When I'm not there, it's really great. My kids are like, it's not fun. You're not here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to be the 
boring mom. I want to be the fun mom, right? And so we just do silly things. Like, um, I think we have a picture. Oh, oh, yeah, look, this is good. Good, thank you. Remind me what I'm talking about. Remember her. She's still in there inside of you, waiting for you to let her go. So just, just a little, because sometimes you like to hear stories, right? They're kind of fun stuff. So we're coming home from the fair. Do you guys have a fair in Kingston? How many of you go, like, every day to the fair? Do you have a rodeo? Yeah? Do, do you rodeo at the fair? Is that American? Oh. What do you do at your fairs? I'm like, no cowboys? Elephant ears? Do you have elephant ears? Yes. Beaver tails. What is that? Oh, I Yes, butter. Beaver tails. I like that. Elephant ears, beaver tails. Well, we have that. Okay, so we're at the fair. Tina, my friend Tina, bless her. She's always on a fun adventure um, in my life. But we're taking home. We have teenagers. You know, the kids. We're all, we have a big Yukon, like nine passenger. They're full. We're coming home. And earlier in the day, I had driven by, and there's this, like, big tractor tire on the side of the road, and it said free. I don't know. When something says free, there's something inside of me <laughs> that's like, I need that. It's free. How many people in here like a good deal? Okay, well, I am in the right place. Because I see this, there were, there were two tractor tires, and in spray paint, they said free on the side of the road. And so I had gone by one time, and I resisted. And by another time, and I was like, I need that tire. I need that tire. And so I had all day to think about what I could use a tractor tire for. And so we're coming home. It's like 11 o'clock at night. We're in the car. And, um, and unbeknownst to me, Tina as well had driven by and seen the tractor tire. And she, too, knew it was the Lord that we had this tire. And the Bible says, two, come into agreement. It shall be done. So I'm like, we're driving, and it's, I mean, it's like midnight, okay? It's dark. It's 11.30 a minute. It's right. It was late. We had stayed to the fair until they shut us down and kicked us out. And so we're driving, and I just looked over at her, and I'm like, kind of like raised my eyebrows, like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't think we said a word. She looks over, and she's like, so we know it's on, like Donkey Kong, it's on. So we pull over and we're like, we are getting this tire. So I get all the kids out. Well, anyway, long story short, it was a mess. It was crazy. So I leave them there. My son and I get in the car and we're like, we, we are like on, you know, like a secret, like, I don't know, what, what do you guys call like your Navy SEAL? We call them Navy SEALs, like the elite military guys that go in and like these special missions. That's what we acted like we were on. We're like over and out 10-4. I'm like, I'm going home to get a ramp in a truck. And we're like, we're, and we're sending messages. We're at home. We're like, all right. You know, it's been, oh, whatever. Anyway, so we're sending them there. I'm like, you guys stay. This is outside of someone's house. It's midnight, of course. We're trying to roll this tire down. Anyway, we come home. Here's a picture of us that night out by our fire pit. There it is, folks. All right. So sometimes we have to schedule silly. And, and friends don't let friends do silly things alone. So let's all give Tina a round of applause for going on a silly journey with me. All right. So we experience joy together. How many of you know that, at least this is in my life, the most joy I've ever experienced is with someone else? It's not very fun to do. If I would have tried to roll that tire down the road myself, it would have been no fun at all. The fun was that we were experiencing it together. So we have the power to put joy into each other, to bring joy into each other's life. And I'm thinking the happiest times in my life and the saddest times in my life were usually relational. 
It's like the, the most sad I've ever been is when there's relational tension or I feel like someone's mad at me or, or I feel like I'm alone or I feel like there's this big divide between me and someone else. And the times that I've experienced the most joy is when I feel like I have someone on my side, someone who knows me and we're able to laugh. I mean, inside jokes, you know, when you're close to someone and, and they know you well enough to just laugh about things. I mean, that's what we all long for. And we have the power. We have the power to put that joy in each other, that God has called, I think he's caused this vehicle of relationship to bring the kingdom. Because sometimes we can think like the kingdom of God, like God's way over here, and then we have our real life, you know? It's like, we talk about miracles, and miracles are like way up here. It's like, well, that's my church world, right? But miracles come through our interaction with other people. Miracles come through relationship. That's where the kingdom is carried into reality. So the first thing we have the power to do is put joy in each other. The second thing is we help each other grow, right? We help each other grow. There's war and there's an assault against relationships. Why? Because in the context of relationship, true growth comes out of our life. Now, that's a nice way to say when you get in close community, people can annoy and bother you. Well, I mean, how many of you have felt like this before? But I have been like in the presence of God in my house worshiping. It's like Jesus, if he could be there in person, he, it feels like he is, right? Me and God are like so close. And then my husband will walk in the door. I don't know, he's done something. And all of a sudden, he does nothing. But all of a sudden, this voice comes out of my mouth that does not sound like the presence of God. And I'm like, who was that, right? I was fine until you came in and did this, that, and that, right? Like, me and Jesus were close until you came around. I mean, sometimes that's how it is, right? It's like, we have a great relationship with Jesus as long as those three people don't come around and get on my nerves. And I can just love Jesus in this nice little bubble, right? I believe God has called us to walk at a level of covenant and community where we're real, where there are people in our life who really know what's going on. It's one of the culture, one of our core values in our church is my heart as a pastor's wife is I want to create an environment where people come in and they realize there are real people in this church who have real problems and struggle with real things because I went to church long enough where it felt like it was plastic, where I felt like I came in and thought, I don't belong here. Maybe some of you felt that way this morning. You're like, I don't know, these girls all love Jesus. If they knew, if they knew this or they all are this way and I'm not that way, hey, let me just expose the lie of hell. We're all in it the same. We all battle the same insecurity. We all feel like we don't fit in. We all feel like we don't have it together as much as someone else. And so you know what the most liberating, my favorite people to be around are people who just tell you what's really happening sometimes. I mean, not in a self-pity, like, like let's make drama out of my life, but they're like, hey, this is what I'm really struggling with. You know what it does in me? Here's what the enemy says. The enemy says, if you tell somebody that, no one's gonna like you. No one's going to let you in their circle. They're not going to let you be on the worship team in this church. They're not going to let you teach kids church if you tell them about that. But you know what's happened in my life? You know the people who I trust the most are the people that I actually know what's going on in their life. And I, I tell our staff, I tell our leaders, I don't care what you're going through. And I mean, if I told you the stuff that our leaders have done or are currently walking out of, you'd be like, you should not be talking. <laughs> and it's true. 
But I'm like, listen, if you are hiding stuff and, you, and I don't know what's happening, I can't have your back and I can't help you grow. But if you tell me, I will stake myself to you. I will help you grow. I will not let you go. And we're going to get through this together. And I will tell you the most joy in my life are those people that I was in at the ugly stage. And I'm like, we got this. We're going to make it through. Your marriage is going to, you're going to survive. You know, you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up, but we're going to make it to the other side. And those are the most joyful relationships in my life are the people that allowed me in or the people that I've allowed into the scary parts of my life. And I believe that's where we really grow. So what is the enemy's plan to keep a surface? How are you guys today? Oh, great, great, great. How are you? Oh, they're so great. Our kids are great. Our marriage is great. Oh, work is great. Yeah, yeah, I just got a new cubicle. It's so great. Yeah, I think I'm going to get a little raise. Oh, that's so great. You know, and in our own head, we're like, oh, and it must, man, their kids look so put together. Their marriage looks so great. You know, it must be nice, right? I believe the enemy wants to dispel some of that stuff. Some of you are just going to, at your table at lunch day, you're just going to be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> it is not true. <laughs> what she said. We are struggling too, right? How many of you want to be a part of a real church, a real kingdom, right? Where we're not hiding stuff, but we're, we're, we're advancing the kingdom of God and we're not letting hell keep us from being united. Because when we come together, we help each other grow. All right. Praise the Lord. How much time do I have? I have lots of time. So much time. All right. There's a, let's show that meme behind every successful woman. is a tribe of other successful women who have her back. That's good, huh? And then there's another cute one on there, right? Chin up. Oh, no. I think I switched. Did I switch? So here's the problem. No, no, don't. don't. Oh, sorry. Take that back. Sorry, guys. I'm, see? I'm so real. Sorry. You did not see that. Erase that. Erase it. <laughs> Here's the thing. We did this like double-sided thing. So I flipped and I was going, I was showing you that before we got there. Okay. So we're going to help each other grow. Good Lord, where's page three, you guys? Yeah, no, it's fine. We're good. We just leave that up there. Okay, awesome. So we have the power to what? To give each other joy. We have the power to help each other grow. The next thing we have the power to do is to encourage each other, to put courage in each other. I think this is one of the most holy and beautiful things that God has given us, the ability to carry the kingdom of God. And I think about women in the Bible. I think about Deborah, right? I think about Deborah and JL. And when Deborah led the charge into battle, I think it had the power to give this JL, who's in her home, who's hiding out the courage to take a tent peg and, and drive it into the, the head of her enemy. There's something when we rise up in our call, when we rise up to be who God's called us to be, we think it's just about us. But when we walk in what God's called us to walk in, it calls courage up out of someone else, right? How many of you, if I, if I got people with me, I'll do all kinds of things that I won't do alone. That's why I bring friends. I would not stand up here by myself. I'm like, I bring friends. Why? Because friends have the power to put courage in me. It's like, okay, can we do this? And they told me this morning, they're like, you can do this. I'm like, I can do this. And that's why I keep looking over there. Like, am I doing it? Okay. Okay, great. I'm doing good. Okay. They said I'm doing good, but that's what real friends do, right? They're like, you got this. You can do this. Ladies, we have the power 
to put courage in each other? Why do you think the enemy causes us to feel jealous and insecure and, and want to tear people down? Because the enemy knows that the power lies with us being that successful tribe of women who are like, I got your back. I'm going to believe what God says about you. You know what? It doesn't take a woman of God to see what's wrong with everybody else. And that's, that's not kingdom culture. The Bible says we're not supposed to know each other, but we don't want to know each other by the flesh, right? So we got to know each other by the spirit of God. We have to say, you know what? I'm going to be the kind of woman who knows people by the spirit. This takes something outside of ourself, right? Because anybody can be like, well, you're bossy and you're whatever, you know, when they get, when you get around someone, we can make a list of things that are not beautiful or whatever, or the non, what do we say? Non-strengths. <laughs> Or weaknesses, right? Or we can choose, I want to be this kind of friend. I want to be the kind of friend that when people get around me, they love who they are. That they fall in, that I've, and you know how we do that? I have to fall in love with who they are. I have to say, God, who is this? And it's one of my favorite things in being a pastor. I think it's my passion probably in our church is meeting people and tell me your story. Tell me what you love to do. And then, and asking God while I'm talking to him, God, who is this? Who, who is this? How can I speak your life over them? How can I speak your purpose over them? How can I call something out of them that they would never do unless I set it into them? And I want to be that kind of friend that's like, you got this. You got this. You can raise these teenagers. I know they're, you know, but you've got it. Put tools in there. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to, like, I have one of my really good friends. We just, we're like, we're going to pace around our school. And we, we're like, we're going to see God's kingdom come to this um, to our high school. And, and so we would walk once a week. We just began to walk around our school and begin to declare that God's kingdom was going to come, that our kids were not going to be statistics, that they weren't going to grow up going sideways, but they're going to grow up and thrive in the kingdom of God. And, and I didn't know when I prayed those prayers if it would happen or not. But I had to find a friend and say, will you believe with me? Will you stand with me? Can we pray and believe for our kids to advance the kingdom of God, to not have to rebel when they're teenagers, to not have to go sideways for 10 years and then come back to Jesus when they're 25 or 30. But let's, let's do something different. Let's set something different. Let's be the families that are like, hey, follow us. We don't know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. You know, but we, we're going to raise a, a kingdom of, gener of a generation of kingdom changers. And just on the other side of that, at the time, I had no idea but in our high school, the same high school that my friend and I walked around and walked around and walked around, my husband and I have been given invitations into back rooms where we're not even allowed to tell people, with our, praying with our principals, praying with our superintendents. I just got invited on May 12th to come in. No joke. It's a public high school. Will you come in and tell about your own redemption story and about how other people can find hope and redemption in Jesus Christ? in our high school. God's just looking for a vessel that'll be like, hey, you want to you advance your kingdom through me? I want to be the one who's going to put courage into other people. How many of you, I believe I'm in the room with some ladies who are like, yeah, that's me. I want to do that, right? We want to be ones that'll stand with each other. You know, I think about, um, well, Jonathan, how much time do we have? Okay, so we have the power to experience joy together. We have the power to help each grow. We have the power to encourage each other. When we get behind someone, we have no idea what God wants can do through their life. When we stake ourselves to someone, we have no idea in eternity the value that's going to come from that. There's been times in my life where I thought, I can't make it through this. 
And I'm asking God, will you send someone? Will you send someone who will stand with me? Will you send someone who will believe with me? But I'm telling you this, ladies, I think this is our biggest barrier. We have to open our mouth and tell someone what's really going on. We have to open our mouth and say, I need prayer. I need help. And that was really the story of my life when I was, like when I talked to you about waking up, sometimes I'm waking up tired or just so discouraged. I feel like I can't get up. I remember praying and reading my Bible and still feeling it. Feeling like, gosh, I'm doing everything I know how to do. And I think sometimes God allows that because he's like, you know what? I didn't call you to win this battle by yourself. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom. There's no, God's not called us to be in isolation. You know, one of the rules in my life is like, if I start to feel driven away, I know that's the enemy in my life. If I start to feel like, I don't really want to go to church. I don't really want to go to, I mean, how, I'm, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure even this morning, some of you are like, why did I sign up for this? I do not even want to go. I don't even like women. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So here's what I started believing. When that stuff starts happening, I'm like, hmm, God must really going to do something at this meeting. Because in the early days, I would feel like I am not going to church. I mean, I've, everything inside me is like, I'm not going to church tonight. And the power of God would show up that night. So it's like, now I'm like, well, I do not want to go. So I'm getting my fancy hat on and I'm going right in there to the front. And I'm exposing hell's lies and I'm shaking off the enemy's plans and I'm staking myself to someone else. And when I don't want to open my mouth, I'm coming and saying, hey, will you just pray for me tonight? I mean, sometimes that's all we can do. Just pray for me. It's a private request. <laughs> pray for me. Will you pray for me? Open up the door. I text people. I'm like, sometimes I don't have to tell people what's going on, but I have to say, will you pray for me? Will you stand with me? And I'm telling you, just exposing it will often break it all off. I don't even know if they prayed or not, but it was just me saying, I'm not going to live in isolation. I'm not let the enemy going to beat me up alone. I'm not let the enemy define who I am and what I'm going to do, but I'm going to let someone else know and I'm going to let someone else fight the battle with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so tell your neighbor, you need me. <laughs> tell him, you need me a lot. <laughs> And then you can <laughs> tell your other neighbor, like, yeah, you have no idea how much I need you. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea what you just opened up. <laughs> the real story. <laughs> All right. So um, Hebrews 12, 12 says this. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. We were made to battle together and not alone. All right, so we're made to do what? what what's the first thing we, we put into each other, the kingdom of God we put? What's the second thing we do? Help each other grow. Next time you can tell you're annoying your friend, just say, hey, I'm helping you grow. <laughs> just totally it's just for you that's why I was late <laughs> I'm helping you grow are you feeling like you're growing all right we help we help give each other joy we help what grow courage and the last one is live in harmony and peace oh we contend for true unity that's what I meant. <laughs> We're going to contend. Well, the scripture said harmony and peace, and I just went ahead and summed it up like that. So, all right. So we, 
we contend for true unity. Ephesians 4, 3 says this, make every effort, make a little effort, make an effort, make every effort. That's not like one time, that's not like, well, I tried and we tried to get along, right? Make every effort, everything inside of you, give everything you have to keep yourselves united in the spirit and binding yourself together with peace. That is such, if you want to memorize a scripture, that's such a powerful scripture because we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight, but I think the biggest battleground is right there. In marriage, in friendship, in the church, when we choose to not live in harmony and unity, we just invite the enemy right in. It's like, come on in. You can have this relationship. But when we get back to back and we're saying, "Uh uh-uh, We don't really like each other right now, but we are not loving the enemy in. We're going to contend. We're going to give every effort until we work this out. We have to pay attention to our lack of peace. Sometimes we're like, I don't know, that just bothers me, and we just run the other way. If you don't have peace in a situation, there's probably a heads up that there's something out of order, that there's something not right. So we have to take that lack of peace back to Jesus and say, God, why do I not have peace? The Bible says we're going to go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So if we're not walking in peace, there might be something out of order in our relationship. Now, I used to think my husband, well, here's the difference. This is my husband's family. This is my family. To him, peace was nobody said anything. You know, like peace just meant, ooh, peace is like, ooh, you sit over here. The difference between my brother and I, peace, when things would get heated at our dinner table, my brother would go to his room to find peace. Me, I'm like, it's not wise necessarily. This is, <laughs> but I'm like, I got to figure out what's going on. We got to work this out. We got to talk this out so that we can live in peace. I believe God put some of that in us because I think it's how the kingdom of God is supposed to be manifest. We got to get in and say, I, I, I'm committed to you. I, I, we're going to figure this out. Let's talk this out. Let's find a way to, to walk in unity. This is not what unity is. This is what I used to think unity was. This is me and my brother. See how we looked in, alike? So I thought like unity meant we all have to be the same. You know, we, well, we go to the church, we got dressed the same, we got to talk the same, we got to look the same. Well, then this is my mom and I. Okay, so it started with my brother, and then this is my mom and I. And then it moved right into my husband. Oh, this is, this is us before we got married. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tina, you snuck that in there. <laughs> and this was us like last week at our marriage Oh, and this is my boys. <laughs> their first day of school a couple years ago, they're like, uh, they came out from their bedrooms and they looked like. So <laughs> I like to dress like people, I guess, apparently. But I thought that's what unity was. I thought, well, unity just means that we get along and we look alike and we must like the same things. And, but I'm learning that unity isn't that at all, that, that unity is people that are totally different and totally uniquely different and learning how to merge those personalities, to merge. I love that even in this room, there's all these different churches and to love God, you don't have to look like Impact Church and to make a difference in Kingston, you don't have to do worship like this incredible worship team did or you don't have to preach the same way they preach, but you just have to be you and who God's called you to be and say, you know what? We're gonna figure out how this fits together because we feel a need that you don't feel and we're doing 
doing something you're not doing because there's people in Kingston who won't come to Impact Church, but they're going to come to your church, or maybe they won't come to your church, but they're going to come here. And so we got to work together. I love that that spirit is in the city. That is the heart of God. Because the Bible says what? When we dwell in unity, God commands his blessing. God commands his blessing. When we say we're not going to give up, we're not going to take our marbles and go home. We're not going to say, well, I never really liked you anyway. I didn't really want to be your friend anyway. We're going to be willing to do hard things and say, you know what? I'm going to allow, this is so uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to say, let's have, can we have coffee? Like, can we talk about this? Can we work this through? And I think, you know, one of the big overarching things we want to say, when we're trying to contend for unity, we want to communicate that. Because if you're like me, I wanted unity with my husband, but I would come just telling him everything I wanted him to change so we could be united. <laughs> well, if you would not, da, 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 and if you would, da, 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 we would totally be in unity, right? How do you know that didn't go over super well? But I've learned like when I want to have a conversation, because there are sometimes things in our marriage that's like, we got to talk this through, right? Because I can tell my heart is hurt. Or I can tell something's not right. And so I have to learn to say, I want to, be, I want to be united with you. I love you, and I want my heart to be knit to you. Can we talk about this? And I think for me, when someone approaches me that way and says, hey, I want to, I want to be close. I believe God's called us to be close. Can we just talk about this? Because there's just something I want, to, I want to work out. I want to make sure that we're, we're together and we're knit together and that our heart is right, right? And that creates a whole different environment than just coming and saying, hey, can we talk? Uh, by the way, you offended me, and I don't like how you did this, this, and that. And, Are we close now? <laughs> and you're like, sure, sure. And we go back to that pretending that we talked about not thinking, right? Amen. All right. Those are the four things I believe that God wants to um, impart his kingdom through us. And I want to pray um, just for us this morning. Maybe we can have our worship team or our awesome standard. That song you guys wrote was amazing. So good. I believe God wants to heal some of your hearts this morning. And I don't know, is that okay? We can just do that. I and mean, we're just going to have church, right? Some of you are like me and you've been in relationships and there's been betrayal. There's been hurt and it did something on the inside of you. And I remember about seven years ago, I went through a season where um, two of my very best friends that have been lifelong friends, and I'm like a covenant girl. I'm like, if I'm your friend, I will not leave you. Like, I'm just, that's just my nature. I'm like, I am loyal and, and I'm a slow warmer. So if I meet you today, we're going to be friends, but it'll probably take years till I, you know, I start letting a little bit of my heart out. I start trusting you just a little bit. But these were two people that I, been 20 some years of friendship. And within the same month, just things happen. And they went sideways. And my heart was so broken I didn't know if I could keep doing it anymore. I could pretend. I still got up. I still went to church. I probably still look somewhat the same on the outside, but there was a deep hole and a wound on the inside of me that I had a choice. And the choice was, I can just do this without having close friends. It feels a lot safer because I didn't like how it felt. I didn't like every time I saw him just feeling the stabbing pain in my heart and feeling like, oh, they're talking to someone else. They're probably talking about me. They're probably reaching out to all my other friends. And then you start believing all these lies that are not even true, that maybe everybody thinks this way about you and that you really are alone. And I remember <laughs> just crying in bed and thinking, I don't even know. I don't know where to go. 
God, I don't even know. I wanted to show up at someone's house. And I remember realizing I don't even have anybody's house to show up at. Like this was, my eggs were in this basket. And, and at the same time, my husband was really sick. And normally I would have found strength from him. And he was in this season where things weren't well for him either. And I don't think I've ever felt more alone in my life. I never felt like, I don't know if I can do this, God. I don't know if I can open up my heart to love again. I don't know if I can trust someone again because this hurts so bad. And I went through a season of just surviving. Like, I'm just going to get up and I'm just going to get dressed and I'm just going to get showered and I'm just going to make dinner and I'm just going to survive. But in the presence of God, I'm just laying there worshiping and allowing God to heal my heart and allowing him to mend wounds that only God can heal. Because sometimes we want people to heal something that is really made just for God to heal. And for whatever reason in this season of my life, my mom was taking care of her parents. Every single person that I had leaned on was gone. And as much as I wanted to say like, poor me, this is awful. I had to say, God, this is too weird for me not to see your hand in this. God, what are you showing me in this? And I believe God was showing me two things. One of those things is that sometimes we're in a place where he's, he's the only one who can meet that, right? Sometimes he brings us to a place that we don't find our strength solely from someone else, but it has to come from Jesus first. And if I'm gonna be a life-giving friend, I have to come in the presence of God and allow him to be everything. Allow him to be enough that I can't find what I need in other people solely, but my soul strength comes from Jesus. But it also put something in me that said, I don't want to be in this position in seven years. <laughs> and I realized about myself, and that was the sad part. So I was like, God, you know me. Like, you know I'm loyal. Like, even if I start making new friends today, this is like 20 years from now that it's going to feel like this felt. Because, I mean, these are the friends that I'm like, when I'm sad, I'm texting and we're laughing. And like, these were my inside circle. But I remember in the presence of God, realizing what I told you this morning, that the kingdom of God only comes through when we carry that relationship into other people. And if I want to do this, I had a choice to make. I can close my heart. I can get bitter. I can go through the motions and look like everything's okay. Or I can, as raw and uncomfortable as this is, allow you to heal me and, and start building and start building for, and I had to tell myself, even if it takes 10 years, I'm going to start trusting you. Even if it takes 20 years, I'm going to sow and I'm going to be strategic and I'm going to plan. And, and so everything in my life at that point shifted relationally. And I said, God, we're going to build friendships with people outside of our church so that if they leave our church, it doesn't mean I don't have a friend anymore. <laughs> How many of you pastors know what I'm talking about, right? A lot of that. And I'm going to build friends in our church, but I'm going to have I'm going to be strategic. And so what that looked like for me is, if you look at my life, you'll see this is true. I value it. So if a friend says, can we do this? Or if someone says, we just went a month ago, a friend said, hey, can you meet us in California? I took my calendar and I erased what I had in there. Because I believe that that's where a life flow is. And I know if I'm going to be healthy, I got to let people in. And, and even the people we went with, I, I remember telling Tina, like, I don't know them very well. It was uncomfortable. I never stayed in a we got this verbo and I've never stayed that close to someone and it was uncomfortable, but a good kind of uncomfortable. I want to let myself be known. I want to open my heart to new people because I believe when we meet new people, we become richer 
and God brings a supply line through other people from where I'm going. And I think every new season in my life, there was always a new person that was there to propel me where I was going. You know, you're in a season for a while and then someone else comes along and they have the goods that you need to go where you're going. And maybe you have something someone else needs to go where they're going. And so in my life, I always have people that are, I'm friends with, but I always have open seats at the table. And every conversation I have, I'm, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, who is this person? Are they someone I'm supposed to have in my circle? Am I, do you want me to be open to this? And I want to trust you. Now, not that we don't use discernment and wisdom, right? Amen. Like the first person we meet, we tell our whole story to them and they're allowing our heart to get broken and broken. But having our heart open, I believe God wants to heal some hearts this morning. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, and that's me. Or you're sitting here and you're like, I'm sitting in a table of women, but I feel really alone. And, and I, wanna, I don't want to do life like that. I want God to heal my heart. I want God to allow me to be healthy enough that I can make healthy connections, that I can be that strength and encouragement to someone else, that I can have someone in my life who will encourage and strengthen me. I believe God wants us to have all kinds of friends, people that come into our life and, and give something that we're lacking and people that we give something that they're lacking so that we have variety, so that we don't look like those pictures, right, where we're all looking the same. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.